and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson, and I'm joined here, as always, by the man who would never try to jump over a defensive lineman with the ball uh, on the goal line uh, on fourth down. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I probably would never go near defensive lineman, honestly. Uh, Just in seems general? Like a, yeah, it seems like a scary proposition. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I would like, I, I don't know, have lunch with one of them. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Maybe not still. <laughs> that that yeah. still seems dangerous. Yeah, maybe maybe Warren Sapp too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's some guys maybe you stay away from. I think you might be onto something. Uh, Kyle, we can't bury the lead here. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been eliminated from playoff contention. A very heavy heart during this uh, podcast as uh, Dak Prescott ripped my heart out. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I compare, you know, we have a super chat. Uh, Joe says, sorry about your bucks. Appreciate that, Joe. Congrats to your Giants, by the way. Uh, what are the odds Brady comes back next season? Yeah. Uh, you know, we can start there. Why don't I? Well, you want to start there? Let's start with the Brady stuff. Yeah. Uh, this, You know, is Brady going to be back? The report was that if Brady does come back in the NFL, the most likely outcome would be he returns to Tampa Bay, which I can see the logic behind. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a chance Brady comes back, but the reality is, I don't know. It, it, it's just a weird spot. I hope Brady comes back. I'm still rooting for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still at times enjoy watch, watching Tom Brady play football. I understand how frustrating the season this was. Um, you know, just going from, I mean, just starting with this game too, I thought, you know, he missed throws. I thought there were some bad plays, and I thought there was a general sort of confusion in the Tampa Bay offense. You know, there was a stretch there when they, you know, that time they actually got it down the field in the first half, got in the red zone. There was two consecutive plays there. They had the break throw that was in the corner that was into, like, triple coverage. Him and Mike Evans are running to the same spot of the field. Mm -hmm. And then on the interception, which I think, it looked like Brady was trying to throw away. We obviously don't know. It looked like he just couldn't get his I thought his it was a miscommunication. Around. I thought he thought yeah. Goblin was going to keep running. But there's three still guys standing play, in the middle of the yeah, field. Still a dumb play. But... With five defenders around him. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just too easy. I didn't think it was very good play design. I didn't think it was very good play management. And I don't know. It just seemed like a really weird season from top to bottom. So while it's in. So I definitely don't think it's all on Brady this stretch this season for Tampa Bay. I also don't think he helped that much. I didn't think he was that good at times, except for at the end of the games in the fourth quarter when mm -hmm. they basically played with pace to help protect their bad offensive line. They, you know, threw to their outside receivers who were big, opened up the middle of the field for Chris Godwin to, you know, get big plays over the middle of the field. That's when they were good. And they just didn't do that all season until they were down by multiple scores. Yeah. Uh, fourth quarter Brady is still uh, Tom Brady. Oh, we have another super chat. Bad Buccaneer defense or good Cowboy offense? Uh, we'll touch on it more in just a second, but I actually thought good Cowboy offense, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more in just a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were so many miscommunications in this game. I mean, so many Brady yell, run that route, not this route. You know, all it's like, how is this still happening? Even like on that, you know, Dallas was basically giving Tampa Bay three points at the end of the half. They were just saying, we're not covering Mike Evans. You can throw it to him and just get a free 15 yards and get in position to where he can try a 52-yard field goal. And they just they can't even get the same page there. It's like there's just so many miscommunications throughout. It's like, how is this still happening you know, in the playoffs now? Yeah. Yeah, it was a very bizarre performance. Uh, that's all I really got to say about it. I did think Dallas's defense played well, too. 
I got to give them yeah. credit for there. I thought Parsons mm-hmm. was virtually in the backfield in every play. I thought uh-huh. Van Der Esch flew around to the football. That was one of, I mean, that might've been Van Der Esch's best game of the season, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Curse had the interception. I thought he could have had two more. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple thought, guys could have had a couple more. Yeah, exactly. I thought Hooker, you know, from the back of that, in that safety spot was really good. I mean, just top to bottom, I thought everybody on this defense was pretty good and covered the covered really well. Uh, and they had a good game plan too. You know, they dropped guys in the coverage. They said, you cannot run the ball. You're not, you're not a good running football team, even though you like to do it, mm-hmm. try and throw on us and see what you can do. And Tampa Bay could not do anything with it. Yeah, it was a good game plan. Not letting anything over the top, sort of forcing them to try to over the middle stuff, what they just couldn't do. Uh, you know, we have uh, yeah, another super chat. Appreciate all these super chats coming in. Uh, I think people are just trying to yeah. cheer me up uh, after a tough loss. <laughs> uh, Brady to the Jets might fix Wilson. Great defense, good O-line, deep threats. To me, I think that he wouldn't go there because I don't think he would want to step on like the Patriots' toes. I, re- I really think that like he wouldn't want to go to uh, go to a division like that. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be weird, definitely. I, I hope he doesn't. I don't want him to play for the Jets. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not putting anything past him at this point, I guess is the question. I think, you know, I don't think New England's crazy. I don't think San Francisco's crazy. I don't think Las Vegas is crazy. If you told me he's going anywhere, I would be like, yeah, sure, okay. Besides, like, Green Bay, that's not happening. Or Indianapolis, that's not happening, too. Why not Indianapolis? Oh, right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The whole, yeah. Uh, sure. That makes sense. Do you, um, you need me to go on the rant again? No. We don't. Yeah. Sorry. That's on, that's on me. I stepped into that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Could go back to New England. I could see that. Uh, it, it's it's exciting seeing where Brady could go. And at the end of the day, you know, I really think about, I would feel a lot worse, I think, had like, you know, uh, had Jared Cook not fumbled that ball in the uh, Saints Buccaneers playoff game, maybe I'm feeling a lot worse about this situation. We got the Super Bowl. We got a, you know, Brady was sort of a hired gun during this year, these years. It was a lot of fun. Still hope he stays, but as long as he doesn't go to the Saints, uh, I'm still going to be, I'm not going to root for him after he goes, though. I have to say, Kyle, I'm not going to do be one of those Patriots fans wearing the dual jersey. Uh, so that's, you know, uh, Brady, I'm, I'll root for him a little bit, but not in, not in that way. Well, I was definitely a Brady supporter when he left. Sure, but those dual jersey people suck. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a whole different level of stupidity, right? You know, like that's that's something totally different. You know, I we I can still support Brady because you know he won me a lot of championships, but that's a different story altogether. Um, mm-hmm. You better hope he comes back honestly, because I can't imagine what this would be like with Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Oh my God, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, and Blaine Gabbert at the helm. That, I mean, talk about a duo. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's not the that that's probably actually best case scenario other than Brady coming back, just because it guarantees we're going to get like a, a top five draft pick. Yeah, Caleb Williams would be nice too. Um, so I, I do have to ask about that. So the Todd Bowles situation of all this, this was mm-hmm. a bad season for Todd Bowles. This was a terrible yeah. season for Byron Leftwich. Early in this game, you had a fourth and three around midfield. Do you feel like that's when it was over? <laughs> I mean, it's just that's just you know. It's just not what they do. Uh, it's yeah. it's this is what I think they should fire Todd Bowles. I, I know I get why they probably won't. A, you just don't want to fire someone after their a first year head coach, especially making the playoffs, albeit with a losing record uh, and with a team that had was tied for the best record in uh, football the year prior. Uh, still, you don't want to do that. I get it, but you know. I still think his play calling is very good. There were some issues in this game. It's the NFL. You're never going to have, you know, yes, there's always things you can point to. The Cooper Cup play, fine. As a whole, he's a very good defensive play caller, and I think he's proved that. Uh, He's a big part of why they won the Super Bowl uh, a couple years ago. But 
Uh, I don't think that makes up for the bad with them, him. I, the defense is coached the way he wants the defense to be coached. And if they get a new offensive coordinator, it's going to be someone like that. They're not going to go out and get uh, Bruce Arians to be offensive coordinator. For whatever reason, once he left, the no-risk-it, no-biscuit approach uh, in terms of play calling left with him. That's just how it is. I also think that his clock management, I mean, I still think about the Browns' clock management game, which was just brutally bad. Uh, his fourth down decision making is bad. I think that he hurts the team more than he helps them. Uh, I think I would fire him and let him become again uh, the highest paid defensive coordinator, which he would deserve because uh, he is so good at that stuff. Yeah, uh, the the one thing about Tampa, I guess you know, putting a bow on this team too is you know just like I know this wasn't the most analytically advanced group with Bruce Arians, but like. How is nobody watching what this team does in the fourth quarter of games and saying we need to replicate that? Yeah. You know, we we kept like I felt disgusted with myself after our Wednesday show because I'm like all season I was harping Cowboys are good, Buccaneers uh-huh. are bad. And mm. then the second Tom Brady's in the playoffs, I'm like, oh, I'll take the Bucks in the game. I ended right. up I ended up betting the under, which remarkably hit. Hit all my playoffs bets for the weekends. Shout out to Brett right. Maher. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's a um, you know. I just I, – I can't fathom watching what your team does well, which is spreading the ball out, you know, playing fast to get a defensive line tired to protect your offensive line, protecting your quarterback who clearly doesn't want to get hit. All that kind of stuff was working for you, and you just – you waited until you were down multiple scores in basically every game to deploy that offense, which was your best offense. I understand that's like, okay, it's the NFL. Does Will an air raid offense that's, you know, fast-paced and gets to the line of scrimmage right away work? In the long run, probably not. But if it's your best bet to move the ball and get points, like I understand he's a defensive coordinator and he wants to protect his defense. That's why he punts. He's mm-hmm. ultra conservative. That's why he, you know, doesn't want to play fast pace as much as possible. He wants to play the game slow. He wants to rest his defense and have his defense at his best. But 2023, you have to score points to win football games. This isn't yeah. 1990. This isn't 1995. You know, you you cannot win games 16 to 13 all the time, 17 and 16. You have to score points. And he just seemed uninterested in scoring points, which is, you know, he seemed more interested in preventing points than scoring points, which is just not the right approach to playing the game. And it's why it's so hard for defensive coordinators to get head coaching jobs because it's it's not the right approach to football. If you're a defensive coordinator moving into a head coaching spot, you have to adjust your mindset. And Todd Bowles hasn't adjusted his mindset. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's all well said. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we we got to give them some credit. Dak Prescott, an EPA of 28.7 total in this game. Uh, he was, I mean, this was an incredible day. This was, so you had talked about, uh, you know, all, sort of all season, kind of your thought was, hey, if Dak Prescott gets hot in the playoffs, who knows what can happen? We've seen him get hot before. Could this happen? And I was like, Kyle, please. Uh, we've Dak Prescott's not having a good year. This is not going to happen. This is not. They're not going to be a Matt Stafford 2.0. Dak Prescott was amazing in this one. Yeah, uh, I think Troy Aikman said it was his best game of his career. And I mean, I probably haven't watched as much Cowboys football as Troy Aikman, but this is probably the best Dak Prescott game I can remember. He was unbelievable in this game. I mean, a huge credit. It's it's so hard to take the time to go through the credit that everyone deserves on this Cowboys team for this game. But like Mike McCarthy deserves a bunch of credit outside yeah. of trotting out his kicker for every extra point. Kellen <laughs> uh-huh. Moore in his play calling deserves a ton of credit. Dan Quinn in his play calling deserves a ton of credit. Like eight defensive players were amazing in this game. Prescott was amazing in this game. Pollard was amazing in this game. Schultz was amazing in this game. But Dak Prescott and his ability to read the defense, that first touchdown throw 
was like one of those tier one quarterback kind of throws where he went through three progressions basically to set up his tight end Schultz in the end zone for an open touchdown. It was one of the easiest throws I think he's made all year, and he set it up all by himself, basically. It was an incredible play. I thought he was fantastic in this game. And yeah, I mean, the hot quarterback can win a Super Bowl if it's not a tier one quarterback for sure. And we saw it last year with Stafford. Prescott is just as capable of as a guy, as a guy like Matthew Stafford, Joe Flacco, 2011 Eli Manning of going on these runs in these spots and potentially winning the Super Bowl. We just haven't seen him yet for him. And it's the Cowboys. So honestly, we kind of write them up before they even get there. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing going against him. So I definitely think he has the talent to go on a run like that. And he started off well this game. Zachary Stewart says in the chat, with this game, Tom Brady officially falls below Tim Tebow in overall playoff passer rating. I don't know if that's true, but I hope it is. Yeah, that's fan- that's a fantastic stat. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Tebow had Jesus on his side. It's not fair. Yeah, Skip Bayless is definitely bringing it up tomorrow. <laughs> is he? I feel like he would uh, defend Brady. He loves Tebow too, doesn't he? I thought that was his whole thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he, his claim to fame was he loved Tebow and hated LeBron. That was his whole thing. I don't know. Right. Yes. Uh, a super chat. Another one. Again, thank you guys, everyone. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. Uh, Dak will fall back to, to earth next week. Cowboys perfectly set up to get blown out next week by the 49ers, question mark. You know, I have to say, heading into this game, I, I was optimistic the Buccaneers could win, but I was definitely saying I thought this was the the winner was basically winning the right to lose to San Francisco. I, I did not really have high hopes that, you know, that's kind of one thing that makes me feel a little bit, it kind of makes it a little easier for me uh, is the fact that I'm like, okay, even if we win this game, what's going to happen? Probably nothing great. But with the way Dallas played, I don't know. I think they have a chance next week. I really do. Yeah, I don't. San Francisco has played some incredible football right now. They're going to be rightfully the favorite in that game, and they are a good football team. So it's going to be it's going to be tough to beat. But I I think if you one of the things I kept arguing all season was I think the ceiling to Dallas is pretty close to Philadelphia and San Francisco that they can beat either of those teams. And in this game, we saw the ceiling to the Dallas Cowboys. Now yeah. you looked at this game and what they did offensively, like. Tampa Bay threw a bunch of zone at them early in this game. Dak was able to pick them apart. They called all the right plays. Everything worked. Tampa Bay started going to more man in the second half. They had these man busters. They had these crossing routes that killed Tampa Bay and all this stuff. San Francisco is a team that does like to mix it up and try and catch you by surprise. If they're able to kind of hit on all cylinders like this, it's not out of the question that they can beat San Francisco. They're the underdogs. They're not going to be the favorites for a reason, but it's not out of the question. Yeah, I thought this was, they were so w- well coached. Uh, what a, what a game for Dallas! I've completely, you know, uh, I'll admit it. Hand up, I was too low on Dallas. Uh, I didn't think they had this in them, and they did. So uh, I'm I'm all aboard the uh, the Dallas, uh, you know, Dallas dark horse t- uh, train now. Should be should be fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. There's some very good games next week. Obviously, with the final, what is it? Eight teams. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, is that the best? Is that the best game of the weekend? I, I think Buffalo so. and and uh, oh, Cincinnati yeah. is probably number yeah. one, but but that's that's probably number two. Yeah, those are those are the top two for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, and even I the think, other ones are interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. So, I think I got everything on this one. You got anything yeah. else? Uh, we, no, we spent a while on it, but again, kind of worth it. Get, you know, since it's the Buccaneers, we knew it was going to take a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. writing, writing the eulogy on all of that. And again, we'll talk plenty more about all these teams that are eliminated and off season. We do tons of off season content, but let's talk about 
a team that we thought was going to be eliminated. Jaguars. Oh my God, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. not ready for this moment. Jaguars are dead. What you know? Is Urban Meyer on this team? No, not so fast. What a comeback! The Jacksonville Jaguars come back from down twenty-seven nothing to beat the Chargers. Kyle, your thoughts? <laughs> Oh my God, that was funny. Uh, this is if, if you told me a team blew a twenty-seven. If you told me preseason an NFL team threw, blew a twenty-seven point lead in the playoffs to lose and get eliminated, I would say, okay, Chargers or Falcons. Yeah, this is basically <laughs> the script of this team. I don't know what's happened. This is the most cursed football team I've ever seen in my life. They need to pull like a Ted Lasso burial thing. They need to burn everything. Something uh-huh. needs to change. They need to, you know, find any sort of voodoo magic they can. Maybe Brandon Staley can do some more, some more of those hip thrusts on the sideline to figure it out. But um, this this was catastrophic. I mean, let, uh, there's so much racking my brain around these games too. So let's start with like I'll, I'll start with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was the story for me in this game. This was mm-hmm. so amazing to watch him, you know, battle back from this because well, I I thought he had some terrible luck in the first half. Like his first interception was like a double doink. And mm-hmm. then he had another one that was a pretty clear penalty. Um, uh-huh. You yeah. know, the other two were still bad throws. And at one point, I think he was like five of 17. So I'm not going to try and say Trevor right. Lawrence was good in the first half. I'm mm-hmm. not justifying it. He still had some pretty bad plays. San, uh, not San Diego. Los Angeles covered very well in this game, too, in that first half. But I, I don't know. The, the, the audacity to come back from a game where a half where you threw four interceptions to, like, do this. I mean... Was second half Trevor Lawrence the best quarterback of the weekend? Like, I don't think that's out of the question. Like, he was really good. Those out routes that he threw that, you know, he put those right on his guy's chest every freaking time towards the end of this game. He had four or five just absolute money throws at the end of this game. And it was a such a bad first half, but an unbelievable second half for me. I thought he was incredible in this going. He managed that he and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson's another guy. Um, just, you know, the, the balls on that guy constantly, he ran a wing T offense on a fourth and one with the game on the line, a wing mm-hmm. T offense. He, yeah. he, he ran a wing T sweep. Like it was army in 1945 for the game winning <laughs> first down. It was uh-huh. the most bizarre thing we've ever seen. And I mean, the balls on those guys to be able to, you know, just win this game at the end. I mean, it was awesome down the stretch. Doug Peterson knows how to call a fourth down in uh one yard to go, uh, play call. Yeah, he definitely. That's the one thing he does best. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was it was incredible. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, very well. And also, it, it was five turnovers in the first half too, because there was that uh, punt that bounced off of the uh, yeah. Jaguars player's helmet. Uh, so it was yeah. you know you had the turnover differential of plus five in the first half, and actually. I think that's where the Chargers lost it, Kyle. I think they lost it by not getting up more because they had opportunities. I mean, they had several opportunities to really go up by a lot more than they ended up going up by. 27 nothing. you think would still be enough. But I think looking back at it, uh, that might be where the biggest thing I look back at and say, yeah, they really had some opportunities to put more points on the board. Well, it wasn't really that good of an offensive game for them. Mm -hmm. Like, it just wasn't. They they had 4.6 yards per play. Um. They weren't very good throwing the ball. They weren't good running the ball at all. They had to abandon. I mean, part of the reason why they couldn't drain the clock in the second half was because they couldn't run the ball. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get to Staley in a second. Let's save that for the end. Um, sure. But, like, for all the criticism of Brandon Staley's play calling management and all that kind of stuff, like, 
you can't call running plays if you're getting one yard gain. Constantly, right. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's an impossible task. Um, the big thing for me was they just weren't very good in key situations outside of red zone situations in the first half of this game where they were three or four, I think, in the first half on red zone situations. And a lot of that basically just had to do with, you know, um, you know, field position battle. They won the field position battle by a ton because they kept getting turnovers. They kept getting interceptions and set their offense up for easy scores. I didn't really think it was that good of an offensive game. They just converted their early chances and that kind of, you know, made the score what it was. And then it felt over. Yeah. Yeah. I, that kind of, it's kind of my thought is I kind of felt like this game was Jacksonville was clearly the team that should have won for most of it. They just turned the ball over five times in the first half. And that's why Chargers got up by so much. I, I kind of feel like it was sort of the Chargers got lucky to get up by so much. And that was a big reason why the comeback happened. Yeah. Was there an Elias sports bureau thing on like how many teams have been minus five in a turnover battle and won a football game? I can't imagine it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Th- I wouldn't think so. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So it was just it was a rough game for the Chargers. They couldn't get anything going in the second half, and I mean, I, I don't even know where to go with this offense. Which like, wh- why did nothing work? Why did nothing like this? This Jaguars defense is good. I think it's a solid defense, but they basically suffocated them in the second half. Why could they not get anything going here? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really was like they just didn't have, you know, the char- thing, thing about the Chargers is really, I mean, they missed Mike Williams. And I think that's kind of the main Brandon yeah. Staley thing you could point to is they really missed Mike Williams in this one. Uh, I think having him, I, I think they win this game if they have Mike Williams. Yeah. Well, there was a whole lot of it, too, where it's like um, right after that, DeAndre Carter fills the spot. DeAndre Carter gets hurt. And then they're running that third and inches jet sweep play to Bandy. Bandy, I think it is, who I think Bill Barnwell said hadn't had a handoff since college. Mm-hmm. And this guy's getting a Jeff Sweet call. And he turns away from the Jet Sweep because he's not prepared to take the football. It's a fumble. You have to punt on fourth down because you lose like 10 yards on the play. Like, I, I, I do think Staley's, Staley's failures in this game and the offense's failures in this game, you know, and if you're going to if you're going to chop heads in this one, if you're going to take out Lombardi and Staley from this game, it's because of a mismanagement of situation. It's a mismanage of roster or roster mismanagement. All that kind of stuff, I think, played a part in them losing this game. Kyle, uh, my last thought before we get to Brandon Staley, uh, it took everything. Out. I, I was so close to tweeting uh, some probably not nice jokes about Trayvon Walker. Uh, just some <laughs> jokes in general after the I mean, he finally gets to the quarterback for a half a sack uh, and then promptly pushes, uh, you know, Herbert to the ground, getting a 15 yard penalty and extending. I mean, that could have been one of the most boneheaded penalties of all time had the Chargers held on to win that one. Yeah, um, it was a rough game for him in this one. I did not, you know, there was a lot of good players on this Jaguars defense from this game. Trayvon Walker does not make the top 10. Yeah, I and mean, listen, we couldn't have a podcast without me at least bring, uh, bringing that up a little. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson would have made an impact. <laughs> <laughs> Who could say? Who could say? Maybe it's, <laughs> you know, impossible to know. Kyle, I think it's fine to fire Brandon Staley. In fact, I think if if Sean Payton wants to come here, you pack Brandon Staley's bags for him, right? Uh, I think that's fine. I don't know what he did that was so bad in this game. Uh, I really, I, it feels like a lot of the criticism is saying, well, he blew a 27-point lead, which, you know, uh, I think that I have some criticisms. I have some critiques of this game, but it feels like just saying his team was up 27-0 and they lost 
So therefore, Brandon Staley is bad. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily – that's not 100%. I mean, I think it's fireable because he wasn't convincing for the first two years of his tenure. Sure. And this was kind of, you know, the icing on the cake. If this is your singular game for saying Brandon Staley should be fired, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, obviously, you know, you could say, well, they didn't have all their receiving core. Well, part of that was because he played his receiver on week 18. But, right. You know, um, you know, the defense, you know, the players also could execute. That's another part of this is like, right. you know, they could execute plays. And if they convert that third and inches play, even though I think it was the wrong play call, you know, that's part of the pro. That's part of the thing where if they do that, they they win. So I, I don't think it's all in him. But I do think if you look at his whole two years of tenure, based on the talent and investment in this roster, I definitely think I wouldn't say like, oh, he shouldn't get fired. I think he I think he fully deserves. I think he would fully deserve it at that point. And also, you know, if we're looking at the competitive marketplace that is the NFL. If the opportunity to get Sean Payton for your franchise quarterback is there, that's kind of tempting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. And, and to be clear, I'm fine with. I don't think you have. I'm on the take of. I don't think you have to fire Brandon Staley, but I'm fine with firing him. I think that that would be a mm-hmm. fine decision because the reality is, you know, making the playoffs and being kind of a bubble playoff team these past couple years with Herbert is just not good enough. You need to. You need to be better than that. Uh, that's it's and also it's like. What is the value of Brandon Staley at this point? Okay, his his defensive, uh, you know, idea, his defensive philosophy was interesting. Worked incredibly well with with Aaron Donald, he, and that was that was perfect. Like that was the exact right coverage to use, and it kind of changed the NFL. I still feel like you know people credit Vic Fangio for changing today's NFL. I think Brandon Staley was the one that got people to copy him. I think that was what got people to start uh, running this sort of quarters coverage consistently. But they don't really have to personnel to do it and again i thought brandon staley did some nice things uh x's nose wise in the second half but it's not anything crazy so i don't think you're keeping him for his defensive play calling he doesn't do the analytics stuff anymore i mean he still is on the better side of it but he's not like what he was two years ago so you're not getting the added benefit of that uh you know they haven't done a great job i think x's and o's wise offensively which that's what matters at the end of the day offense wins championships so why are we keeping him yeah, I think the interesting thing is so like these. I, I think a lot of these advanced analytics coach coaches were heralded early on, but mm-hmm. just about everybody uses analytics now at this point. There's very few. Not everybody. That, yeah, I know. I know a team uh, that doesn't. <laughs> just about everybody does. So that's why it's weird when we look at like uh, Todd Bowles punting all the time, or if we look at like a uh, you know Bill Belichick ultra conservative. But those teams also have bad offenses that probably play a part in it. So like. If, if everyone's caught up to you, though, at that point with this analytics, with the analytics, what what is your edge? How are you gaining an edge against your competition amongst the other coaches in the league? I think that's the question we have for Staley because guess what? Yes, he was innovative with his deep, deep quarters defense. He was innovative with the way he used analytics at the, as an approach. Everyone's doing that now, though. So what is his edge? What, how is he making a difference out there? Yeah, good point. Also, I have a super chat. Yeah, this is something I've heard. Uh, Chargers owner is cheap. Just look at the history of coaches. Think he would have been fired already by now. Think he gets another year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he probably would would have been fired by now as well. Uh, there is, I mean, that's the real thing is that, you know, uh, it does cost you some money if you fire a head coach early. Yeah, I mean, aren't they paying to play in the Rams stadium, basically? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, could, I could see it. I think that that's fair. Um, let's move on. Uh, very fun game that one was. Let's talk about 
let's go to the Giants Vikings. Why don't we? The fraud bowl uh, was complete with Daniel Jones. Are the Giants frauds? I don't know. They looked good against a not great Vikings defense. Uh, this is maybe more about the Vikings defense than it was about the Giants offense. But you got to give Daniel Jones credit. Uh, you know, reminded me a little bit of like how teams play Lamar Jackson a little bit, where it's like they tried to play man, and Daniel Jones was able to just run right, you know, run all day against the man coverage. So they stopped playing man, and then they were able to just pick apart against zone. That stuff can definitely work out. And uh, you know. Again, does this team have a chance against Philadelphia? I don't know. They got crushed by them the last time they played Philadelphia when uh, both teams were playing their starters. But we, you know, we've seen this a couple times now, and I feel like the Giants, who we we've been very critical of on this podcast, they're getting hot at the right time. We talk about getting hot at the right time, yeah. and we said this, you know, a couple weeks ago when they looked really good against the Colts. Now another good performance against the Vikings. Uh, is this good? This the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl, right, Kyle? It's it's going to happen. It, it might just happen. This team's hot. I mean, the funny thing is, like, like I, they played very well in this game. But at the same time, like, it's very hard to gauge because, like, if if you asked us to pull the situation before, like, outside of Tampa, who's an eight nine team, we probably had these as the two worst teams in the playoffs. Uh huh. Like, so yeah. it's it. I mean. I think that's kind of what it was, was the two worst teams in the playoffs. Now, Daniel Jones did play very well. He diced this defense. But, like, I think it warrants saying that, like, Mac Jones had his career, be- his best day of the season against this Vikings defense again in a Matt Patricia offense. Right. So, like, I, this 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 Vikings secondary was terrible all season. They didn't get enough of a pass rush to supplement that. I mean, Evan Neal is on this freaking Giants offensive line, and they couldn't get enough pressure. Like, Yeah, how, I don't get that. Like, Mm-hmm. He he's the worst right tackle in the league right now, and you can't just get guys on him one on one and win battles. Like it was just a very bizarre Vikings defense this season. This was a bad football team. That's what it was. Huge credit to the Giants, though. They came out and won this game on the road in a playoff environment. I thought they played very well. And Daniel Jones, playing for a contract, continues to uh, you know continues to see that number rise. Yeah, Joe in the chat says been waiting to prove y'all wrong. Hey, uh, yeah, a little bit. So I I didn't expect them to be one of eight teams uh definitely not i didn't expect them to make the playoffs uh and i, I next week i'm gonna say i didn't expect them to w- make the nfc championship game yeah. right uh that's just where uh where they're at um right you know uh saquon barkley obviously the running game in general working and i gotta say like who is this isaiah hodgins guy all of a sudden coming out and playing good football like uh, all these like, you know uh, darius slayton's always been kind of a nice player uh, he had that brutal drop that w- could, you know that also yeah. felt like if the Vikings came back and won, that could have been one of those plays. But uh, you know, luckily for him, did not happen. Uh, they got some guys who are are making plays here. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with this team is it just doesn't seem like it beats itself at this point. It's very well coached, and these players are disciplined. Mm-hmm. Outside of that one job, like you highlighted, like they don't do dumb stuff, and I feel like that just goes a long way because we see time and time again. You know, you mentioned you know, the Walker play, or, you know, you can point to any number of Chargers plays in that game um, in the second half. Like, teams who don't do dumb stuff win football games a lot, and it gain an edge. And it just doesn't seem like this team does dumb stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that went a long way in this game, and I think, uh, you know, is Dayball the most popular man in New York right now? Ooh, most popular man in New York. Aaron Judge or Brian Dayball? Uh, yeah, I think uh, probably Aaron Judge. Maybe right now, Dayball, because he, you know, he's more in the news. Yeah, Jalen Brunson too. Maybe I mean he's he's a popular guy. Uh, sure. Yeah. 
besides the point. So I, I do want to talk about this though. So this day ball situation, um, mm-hmm. I think he's the coach of the year this year. It feels like a lock at this point. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. if he ends up winning it, but with this Daniel Jones thing. So, you know, we we're now seeing this twice where like, I don't think like Daniel Jones was this good all year, but he was pretty good this year and obviously had his best in this playoff game. But like, is this going to change how we evaluate quarterbacks now? Because Be- go ahead. Cause we've seen Dayball now with two guys who were kind of viewed as these project quarterbacks and Josh Allen's first few years in the league. Guess what? Josh Allen didn't look that good. His first few years in the league, he gets with Brian Dayball. Things all of a sudden get a lot better. Josh Allen is now one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Daniel Jones did not look good. I mean, Jason Garrett does stuff sting, but at the same time, like Brian Dayball mm-hmm. gets in there. Daniel Jones has his best season. And I think it's a really interesting question as we get around to draft time, because there's a huge debate between two quarterbacks with an insane amount of college production and a little bit of tools in the ultimate two, two ultimate toolsy project quarterbacks in this draft class. Is this going to change how we evaluate quarterbacks where if Brian Dayball, if a guy like Brian Dayball, if you can find your Brian Dayball as your coach, can you get one of these ultimate project toolsy kind of guys and turn them into a good quarterback in the NFL? Because the, the argument was always you wanted your guy developed by the time he, you know, you want your guy running a pro-style offense in college so that he could run a pro-style offense in the NFL or in the NFL game and be ready to go. Now it doesn't seem like that's the case. It just seems like you want the tools and you're going to teach him how to play quarterback in the league at some point. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think it'll be the Daniel Jones thing that does it, to be honest. Like, I, you know, I like what Daniel Jones has done. But, what, I mean, what, he's proven he's, what, a, th- a tier three quarterback at this point? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, I mean, which is good. Like, there's value there. But, like, you know, uh, and I think that, you know, it's definitely impressive to see what Dable can do. I think it's maybe to your point of, like, you know, the best predictor for future success when it comes to quarterbacks is situation they've been drafted into. That's, like, the best predictor, uh, which you think wouldn't be the case. You think guys kind of handle on their own. But definitely situation matters. And and you're probably right in that. I don't know. Does this mean you don't give up on guys quick? Uh, as soon as you you might think, is this some sort of a yeah. hey maybe don't give up on guys? But at the same time, obviously you got to give up on guys at some point. That's always the difficult question. Uh, I don't know. I still kind of view, view it as young quarterbacks are just uh, you know sort of uh, it's a grab bag of just you know hope it works out. Yeah, it's definitely a crapshoot, but it's a uh, it is an interesting conversation I think going forward, especially where. I just think we're seeing more and more, you know, as uh, DJ asks here, what's he saying to the guys to make them so good at QB? I don't think it's necessarily anything that Dayball would say. I think what we're seeing basically is so much of these offenses now scheme easy throws. And all it is is basically utilizing their physical tools to get them to move, to get them to be unpredictable and make their throws that much easier. Because if a quarterback is unpredictable, if a quarterback can move, if the defense has to focus on the quarterback more, they're spending less time focusing on receivers and receivers get more open. And I think that's the big thing where you see with a lot of these physical tool quarterbacks that they're able to manipulate defenders to focus on them instead of wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I completely agree with all of that. Uh, let's shift gears. Why don't we let's talk about Minnesota. Let's let's eulogize the Vikings who, you know, uh, people are making getting on Kirk a little bit for the uh, check down on fourth down and eight, which is fair. I think that's not the right play call there. I think that's reasonable, but, uh, or not the right decision. I mean, 
by him. But Cousins played well in this one. I mean, th- really, the offense was good, and especially when you factor in Justin Jefferson had a, a total EPA of just 0.6. I mean, if you if you told the Giants that, they'd think that they won by 100 uh, in this yeah. one because of how valuable he is. Obviously, Hawkinson had the huge day by uh, the Vikings. But it just goes back to the, the defense, which early on in the season felt kind of scrappy. It felt like it was one of those, like, I don't know, 2009 Saints defenses that, like, isn't great, gives up yards, but, like, makes the big play. But then it just turned into a bad defense, which is probably to be expected a little bit. And, uh, you know, they had some nice players, but it was just not a complete defense, and that's kind of what sunk them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys they were relying on are old, too, right? Like, like Peterson and Smith, mm-hmm. I still think, had pretty good years. Yeah. But it's asking a lot for them to kind of make up for a bad secondary. And the guys next to them were not very good. I thought Tomlinson took a step back on the defensive line. I mean, you just go through the roster, and I think you could basically say, what, seven of the 11 guys underperformed our expectations on this defense? And then you could say, like, Smith, Smith, Peterson, Kendricks were good. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, that's kind of how I felt about the team this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was just, uh, I don't know, where do we go with the Vikings from here? Like, you're kind of stuck with Cousins. You're stuck with, uh, you know, I mean, you have, the one thing is, I think TJ Hawkinson trade was great. I think that worked out. That kind of completes your offense a little bit. And you hope that, you know, your offensive line can get a little bit healthier. That would be a big thing for next year. I think the offense should be good. Um, Is this team maybe a little bit closer than we realize? If they can just get sort of that secondary under control, could this be a team that maybe next year, uh, you know, we could see right back here hosting another playoff game? Uh, potentially, I definitely think they have the tools. I mean, like eventually I think they're going to have to probably, you know, replace Adam Thielen. Like that's probably something they mm-hmm. could look into this off season if they wanted to. Um, but I think Gotta as far as DJ Osborne, yeah, uh, I do think Osborne's good. So, you mm-hmm. know, if they can get him at a good price, I wouldn't, you know, be uh, Belichick's going to pay him a lot. You gotta, gotta figure that out. Yeah. So the tough thing is, is that, you know, it, some of this defensive stuff is just so unpredictable though, man, like. Yes, you can get, you know, another safety in another corner, try and plug uh, plug the gaps and reload. But, like, would you be shocked if Peterson takes a step back next season? Would you be so shocked if Harrison no. Smith takes a step back mm-hmm. next season? Right. Um, you know, can they sustain this pass rush level? I mean, so I, I just think that there's a lot going for it. Like, it's a, um, you know, I, I think this defense does need to reload, kind of, and this offense should be fine. So, yeah, I mean, with a healthy Darisaw with some players back on offense, figure out the defense. Yeah, you can get back to it, but I think it's also easier said than done. Yeah, weird season for the Vikings. Let's move on. Let's talk about a game that was, Kyle, I thought the Ravens were, you know, I thought they were going to pull this upset off. You know, we saw <laughs> it, was, it was sort of a weird trend that happened with all of the three games we still have left where there was three games where, okay, you know, Bengals significantly favored over the Ravens and then get up to a two-score lead only for the Ravens to storm back and take the lead. That happened in all three of those games, weirdly enough. Uh, the play of the game, obviously, a play that had uh, over uh, – the, the win percentage swing was over 40%. Uh, the fumble touchdown, uh, the Tyler Huntley fumble touchdown, the EPA on that play was over 13 points. Uh, that one play really was the the season for these two teams. Yeah, it was a bizarre play. Like, I mean, 
I think it's all easy from uh, for us from our couches to like say, oh, well, why would he do that from two yards out? Like in the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm trying to score a touchdown. You know, right. I think we'd all try something similar if we were behind center and not like think about it. The one thing is like, I thought Collinsworth did a pretty good job of breaking the play down because he was like, okay, if you're going to have the guys pushing you from behind in this play, because they basically crowded everyone in in that little T formation and said, we're going to push the quarterback in the end zone. That was the play set up. What's the point in jumping? Because you 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 can't really jump and get pushed at the same time. It's counterintuitive. So it was a really bizarre. Like if you wanted to jump for the end zone, spread the play out and then try that. You know. Mm-hmm. But having everyone crowded in, having all those linebackers basically on the line of scrimmage, made it very difficult to run that jumping play. So it was like, I, you know, I it, it was weird based on the play call, and that's probably something that needs to be coaches. You don't jump when you're getting pushed from behind like that. But like. Obviously, you know, <laughs> I don't think anyone expected that as like the worst case scenario, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, not only that, but it's, football is a weird sport, right? Where it gets knocked out and it happens to go to Sam Hubbard, who's just there to stop a handoff. That's all he's doing. That's the only reason he's over there. But because of that, he's behind everybody and is able to run. And then, uh, you know, I thought Mark Andrews was going to catch him. Uh, that was a, an exciting situation to happen yeah. as well. But he gets into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, and, and, you know, I thought Huntley played well in this one. Like they, it, the Hail Mary nearly worked too. It was such a crazy yeah. game uh, where it got bottled, bobbled up and almost was catchable. Uh, you know, Huntley had a, a really good uh, touchdown throw on a, a sluggo, uh, which, you know, love a good sluggo. Uh, the, this was a, just a, I don't know. It, it was an impressive performance by the Baltimore Ravens. It just, it was sort of gutting that one play. Yeah. I mean, there were times Huntley outplayed Burrow in this game. I don't think he did for the entirety, but there were times he mm-hmm. outplayed Burrow in this game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought he played well in this one. I thought he made some good throws. Uh, unfortunately, the problem was is he made, what, two mistakes that were kind of costly, and that was basically yeah. the game. Um, so, I mean, that that was really basically the game. Toronto, or not, Baltimore ran this basically how they wanted to. They limited possessions. They got their quarterback to go out ball. They had long sustaining drives because they ran the ball so well. And eventually they converted a few times. The only thing that happened was they eventually, when they didn't convert, it was catastrophic because it was, you know, turnovers that resulted in points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, for, for the Ravens, what did you make of this after the game drama of J.K. Dobbins complaining about how uh, Huntley should never had to be in that position because he, he should, he should have gotten the ball in that spot and been, he could have been able to score a touchdown. Uh, Dobbins also said that, uh, well, he gave Huntley credit. He said that Lamar, if Lamar was in, they would have won. Uh, there's the kind of thought of if they had paid Lamar, Lamar might've came out and played. Now, I, I don't know how true that is. Uh, you know, I think, listen, don't, don't risk a long-term injury in this spot. I think if you're the Ravens, I'm fine with that. But still, uh, you know, there's some drama going on. Yeah, I mean, it was a bizarre comment after the game and i'm sure he's just frustrated i'm sure he didn't mean to throw huntley under the bus like and i don't think think he was just i don't think that's what he meant yeah Yeah, i think he was just you know frustrated but like the i guess the hindsight of it is like you can look at back at it so let's go back to that situation first and goal they try a pass play to patrick ricard which sure what elite receiver patrick ricard yeah, exactly. A converted defensive end uh, fullback, Patrick Picard, mm-hmm. uh, more accurately. He was open on the play. It was a bad throw. It left it short. It was incomplete. Mm-hmm. You know, Gus Edwards, like, at that point, like, I guess the thing is, is 
based on what this team was doing this game, this specific game, and what this team's identity is, when you get the ball first and goal on the two, it should shouldn't it just be you know run the ball right up the middle four times and you get two yards? Like I feel like we overthink this as like you know football fans. Like it 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 just seems like when you have Dobbins and Edwards, give them each two plays and try and score basically. Yeah, that uh, would not be a bad strategy. I think I I, I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, I think the, the teams do overthink that stuff a bit. Um, but you know, it's it, just just fascinating with the Ravens. Um, you know, uh, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about the the Bengals. Uh, who they survive. And my take on the Bengals is: say what you want about this. Yes, you got outplayed by a team that you know you had a what you were six point favorites in going into the week. Yes, that's not ideal, but you know what? It's a divisional game. Weird stuff happens. You got out of there with a win. Who cares? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. The only thing I'm worried about at this from this game, this takeaway, like I thought they played super conservative on defense with their secondary. Like they're basically crowded in the box and said, you're not throwing downfield and you're not running the ball on us. They still ran the ball on you. Um, but like, Ravens are physical. I'm not too worried about that. The only concern I have about this is the state of this offensive line at this point, where mm-hmm. right tackle was down before the game. I think it was right guards also out before the game, and then left tackle goes down during the game. Joe Burrow had threw the ball. You know, we talk about Joe Burrow and his ability to hang on to the very last second to make good throws. You know, Joe Burrow had what six yards per attempt in this game, which is very uncharacteristic for him. And a lot of it had to do with 2.54 second average time to throw uh, for during this game. He was, you know, he didn't trust his offensive line. And if the Bengals can't create these long generating pass plays that create these explosive plays, which I mean, in my mind, they are the best in the league at doing these long pass plays, creating these long pass plays for their big receivers. If they can't do that consistently enough, can this team win a Super Bowl? Because that's kind of their bread and butter. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, you know, I thought the one thing I did to say, though, uh, Jamar Chase, you're right. He didn't have those big plays, but I thought that he was amazing in this one. And, and he he was, I mean, he was kind of the offense at times. Yeah, <laughs> I tweeted this out during the game, man. Um, like, is is it outlandish to say that this guy might go on to be the greatest receiver of all time? Well, I mean, he, uh, you, you could say that, and at the same time, he might not, he might end up not being the best uh, receiver that was on his college team. Yeah. I mean, Jefferson's been good, too, but I mean, mm. this guy, his numbers have been unbelievable. Um, he, you know, if you, if you actually go back to, like, if you go on football reference and look at the Rice numbers, like, the Rice numbers are just absurd. And uh-huh. you actually have, you know, if you're thinking about, like, how little teams actually threw the ball during that time, and he's having, like, 17 touchdown seasons, it's right. ridiculous what that guy did. But if you look mm-hmm. at his first two seasons for Chase, he's been, you know, basically in stride with Rice for those two seasons. And I don't know. I just don't know how you cover this guy. Like, he's an elite. Yeah. Out, he's the best outside receiver in the league. He's an elite slot receiver. You know, he's good. He's fast. He runs perfect routes. He gets open in zone. Like, I don't know how you beat this guy other than put two guys on him at all times. Yeah, and even that. <laughs> yeah, and he's the best guy with the ball in his hands, too. He's somehow also the best in that spot. Yeah. This this might be the most talented wide receiver I've ever seen. And that's, insa- that's insane to say in year two. But he's that good. Yeah, And oh, by the way, you got to worry about uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So it's the old, uh, it's the, the Jamar Chase Penny Sewell meme uh, once again against Buffalo, who Buffalo rested the passer well, even without Von Miller. They've, they have some guys who could do that. So, uh, you know, I can't wait for that game. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun one. 
we'll see how this Bengals group looks in that next game because, like I said, the run game hasn't been very good. The offensive line hasn't been very good. Like, I know they still have Burrow and Chase, and they have a good defense, so it's like, okay, I still have faith in this team. I think in Week 15 I said they were the team I picked to make the super win the Super Bowl. But, mm-hmm. like, because someone asked us to do our predictions, and we, we each had uh, the Bucs winning preseason, so that was wrong. Um, right. Didn't quite think, nail that. You know, I think when someone asked us Week 15, I said Bengals over Niners. And, like, I still think this team's good enough to make it, but that's a little bit of concern in these next two weeks. Yeah, the, the, you're right. The, the offensive line injuries are concerning. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk couple games left again every game was interesting i thought dolphins bills surprisingly so another one where bills get up early 17 nothing felt like they were up 40 to nothing the way this game was going and then all of a sudden the bad side of josh allen turns out and actually i gotta say i didn't think josh allen was as bad as people are making it out to be uh at you know people were one of the interceptions was a tipped pass that kind of, you know, it, it was uh, sort of throws it to a receiver who has the inside leverage, but the defender gets his hand in, knocks it up, and then it gets picked. Okay, some blame for that, but not a ton, I don't think. And the other one was a miscommunication. Fumble was bad. Fumble was bad. But as a whole, you know, either way, you're turning the ball over, and that's kind of what allowed Miami to get back in it. Miami knew they were the underdog. They played like the underdog, and they nearly pulled off this upset. Yeah. He, he has that tendency to, you know, play hero ball a little bit right and you know yeah even besides the turnovers i just didn't think it was his best game but it was the full josh allen effect honestly is yeah what he went was. full josh I mean, allen yeah it was like what i think i was looking at the pff stuff on it it was like two turnover worthy plays plus the fumble plus the uh you know six big big play passes you know uh-huh. like i mean it's just it's absurd it, it's a boomer bust player and, you know, for a large stretch of this game, he was boom. And then all of a sudden the Dolphins were in the lead because he made a few mistakes. Yeah. I mean, when that fumble happened, I, I was I, my mouth dropped watching the game. I, I could not yeah. believe that the Dolphins took the lead. I thought they were going to win it from there. And then, uh, you know, didn't quite work out. You saw Buffalo put up uh, touchdowns on back to back drives. And again, that was just the Josh Allen stuff, right? He still has that like at any moment he can get a 50 yard uh, bomb. Yeah. It's also really tough to win. Like. Bless Skylar Thompson. He's tried his best this end of the season, but it's a huge he played his best game, I thought. Yeah, I thought he was fine in this game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he was fine. But the problem is, is one quarterback had nine yards per attempt and the other had 4.9 yards per attempt. Right. And they had the same number of turnovers, which doesn't help either. So, mm-hmm. um, like, it's just, you know, he should. it was unfair to judge him in this moment because it was an impossible moment for him to win. That's the way I thought. Yeah, and you know, Bridgewater was uh, healthy enough to be the backup. I don't know why they didn't just throw Bridge. I guess maybe they just didn't think he was, I don't know, maybe he was only at like 80% or something. I think they're just hoping St- Thompson didn't get hurt. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> he, he might be right. That might have been, it might have been, hey, this is the guy who knows the center and will take the snap. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it It was a, it was just kind of a weird game because it's, you know, this is the second week in the row the Bills kind of did this where, it seemed like they were going to jump all over the Patriots in week 18 too. And after a huge emotional start, things kind of quieted. And it's like, I don't know. It's the bills kind of remind me of like a hockey team. That's like an awesome first period team. Like if you can sustain the Pittsburgh Penguins with Malkin and Crosby, those first 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden wear them down in the third, fourth quarter, you know, second or third period, that's where you have the chance to win the game. Is it chance that you can like kind of wear down Buffalo a little bit? Because it feels that way. 
Yeah. Uh, interesting i mean i i think that they're maybe the better comparison is they're the hockey team that's always making these stretch passes but isn't that good at them uh and so they're like you know constantly their poor goalies having to make all these breakaway saves it's like uh, i mean they are good at the stretch maybe actually the better comparison is they're really good at those stretch passes but also they screw it up which results in like a lot of breakaways because they hit those but then it's it's the, the when a josh allen turnover thing happens that's always concerning. There are ways you can beat this defense. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but there are ways you can do it. Uh, and the, the reality is this is a team that, I don't know, uh, there's holes on this team, but it's it's a star-driven team that, I mean, we just saw Cincinnati kind of be a star-driven team to make the Super Bowl. It can be done, but they just have to make sure that, you know, against Cincinnati, Josh Allen cannot turn the ball over three times. Uh, he just can't. Yeah. That's definitely true because Burrow is not going to turn the ball over that much. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless he's I, playing Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you know, as far as like you know, I've voiced my concerns for Buffalo defense, so I'm not going to get too far into it again. But like, I thought the secondaries had moments that it looked really bad and missed some tackles also, which is also concerning. But like, really, just the coverage wasn't that great at times too. Um, but there's only so much you could do with Thompson, and they get they did come up with some good plays too. Yeah, and again, I mean, there was a couple of those like those Jalen Waddle plays that I felt like if you know Jalen Waddle nearly was able to get those big plays, but at the same time, uh, you know, you had just like I don't know guys coming through in the last second to be able to knock the ball away. Which listen, if it's Tua, maybe the ball is a little better, maybe that's not possible, but still, you got to give him credit for being able to you know make plays on the ball. Yeah, no, I went on. I one hundred percent agree. I mean, I guess if you were going to take the four winners, four right. Five uh, How many teams uh, won what, this weekend? Six. One, two, there were six games. Six games. Okay, thank you. So if you took the six winners, I'm How would it be days. five? It's, it's 11.55, man. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, so if you took the six winners from this weekend, is Buffalo the team you're most concerned about another weekend, I guess, is the question? It's in most concerned about them losing? Just the performance and going forward. I see. It was just the, the worst winning performance uh, by a team. Um, probably. Yeah. It would be this or Cincinnati. Cause again, cause of the injury, like you talked about. Yeah. I think that's and they're playing each other. So that's interesting. Yeah. And you know, a lot of emotion going into that game too, obviously with the rematch. And I think Cincinnati felt, you know, unfair by the whole situation. I mean, it was all bizarre, so there was no way to control it, but yeah, I mean, this should be a fun game. It is a little bit. I do have to think about it. Like, yeah, why why isn't this a neutral site? Like, uh, if Buffalo and Kansas City play each other, that'll be a neutral site. Why, why wasn't this one a neutral site? I think their argument was basically because Buffalo was even in the loss column with Kansas City. That's why it was a neutral site. Because technically, they lost the one seed simply for not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cincinnati still had you know a lower winning percentage than Buffalo in the same amount of games. But I, I guess also but, but agree they would have had an opportunity to yeah. beat Buffalo. Yeah, I do agree with Cincinnati's argument where we had the opportunity to get the two seed, but that we didn't get that game. So I get both arguments. Yeah, I don't think I there's a winning situation mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I, I guess I get it. If they had the same, you know, they had the same uh, amount of games played, but it, it, still, again, it was just a tough situation in general uh, with yeah. all of that stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, fun game. Good. Great weekend. Let's move on, why don't we? One game left to talk about. This one was the one with the score 
kind of, I guess, you know, I guess there were two games that weren't great. You know, Cowboys Buccaneers was obviously terrible, but uh, for lots of reasons. But uh, this one was, this was a very, very good game. The score does not do it justice because, again, I, I thought Seattle was going to pull this one off. When they took the lead at, at the half with that blunder by Kyle Shanahan and by, uh, it was one of the wards by. Uh, Traverius, I think. Okay, yeah, by San Francisco to allow them to get a uh, field goal. I thought, man, is this going to happen? Uh, the Brock Purdy uh, Assange Israel, uh, Brock Purdy, Purdy mania. Uh, as you know, Purdy had one of the more misleading stat lines you'll ever see, I think, with 332 yards on 30 attempts, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was not that good. He actually had a rough first half. Uh, I thought, yeah. but played so well in the second half. I mean, everything was working well. 49ers offense is lethal. And, you know, yes, they got Dallas. Big advantage for Philadelphia is they don't have to play Dallas or San Francisco until the conference championship game if they get there. But, uh, you know, this is a this is a team that feels like they can beat anybody. Yeah, but the Eagles do have to play the best team in football, the Giants. So that's true. Not really yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this was definitely, you know, not to criticize too much a guy who had 300 yards and three touchdowns or whatever it was. Like, this was definitely the most, like, human that Brock Purdy looked at this season, right? Like, mm-hmm. there were some throws that were ta- that were interceptable takeaways. Yeah. Potential takeaways. Um, and I think Bradshaw even, at, you know, Bradshaw, you know, in those halftime shows is, like, barely cognizant. And it was like, yeah, wasn't that good of a first half. Um, mm-hmm. But right. anyway, yeah, I mean, so, yeah. I thought he missed some throws. I thought San Francisco, you know, was messing around a little bit, made some dumb mistakes like that penalty at the end, went down by one at the half. But, man, did they turn it on the second half, and that's exactly the San Francisco we've seen the second half of the season. I mean, it seemed like basically as soon as they got that strip sack and Bosa took the ball, like, didn't it feel over by then? Well, especially after, I mean, uh, from that point on, the game completely turned. I mean, you know, Seattle had a chance to take the lead with that. Uh, I, I believe if I remember correctly, they were down six. But with a chance to uh, take the lead, uh, there was, you know, like you said, fumble, Bosa recovered. And then from that point on, uh, it was just touchdown every drive. It seemingly was for San Francisco. Uh, and, you know, for Purdy, I think it's like, let's just, we all saw the game. We all know what happened, right? Rock Purdy made some mistakes early on but then made the sort of delay ups that resulted in a lot of big plays happening. Right. I like Purdy. I think I've been a Purdy defender. I think Purdy deserves a lot of credit for how he rebounded in this one, but this is also definitely, uh, you know, the, the stat line is just as much on Kyle Shanahan and on the uh, 49ers offense as it is Purdy. Yeah. I mean, he threw one play that was wide open and it resulted in a 70, 40 yard touchdown. That right. helps your stat line. It really <laughs> yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I mean, I thought there was, you know, Seattle was good for a half. They hung with the half. And that, you know, that probably speaks to the greatness of San Francisco this season that like they, they struggled for a half and still beat the team by 18, you know, like yeah. it just, it got away from Seattle a little bit. You know, I thought they did a good, I thought Seattle did everything. Another one where I thought they did everything they wanted to in the first half. They made life a little bit more difficult for Purdy for some tight window throws. And then on offense, they kind of, you know, we have seen big outside receivers, Kind of go out to San Francisco defense that seems unbeatable at times. This was DK's best game against San Francisco, probably of his career. And he really went at these guys. They challenged him. They went downfield with him. And he made some big plays. Um, It just, you know, it was hard to sustain for four quarters. And that's what I honestly burned them at the end. Yeah, that's my thing. Is like, part of me was like, okay, do you feel any concern about the 49ers defense that looked human in this one, especially in the first half? 
Uh, or was this just DK Met, you know, hey, you don't have to play DK Metcalf again, so you're fine. Um, you know, I, I like CeeDee Lamb. I don't think he's on DK Metcalf's level. But if you played a, uh, the Eagles the week after, you got A.J. Brown and uh, Devonta Smith coming to town. So you do have some good receivers. And then, you know, if you make the Super Bowl, whoever you play there is certainly going to have a good receiver, uh, you would you would assume. Uh, you know, maybe it's Christian Kirk. I don't know. Uh, you got, but you're going to have someone to deal with regardless. Uh, is there concerns or is this just, it's DK Metcalf? I think it's a little bit of a concern, but it's something that like, like, uh, I forgot to write it down, but like, cause we went through this on Wednesday, right? We went through the, you know, we said the roadmap to San Fr- Seattle winning this game. What's it going to take? We highlighted this San Francisco deficiency, which is these outside receivers that are really good. Like, mm-hmm. I think Lamb's a very good receiver. I think he's super talented. I don't think his skill set is the same thing that Devontae Adams and DK Metcalf do. You know, he's not going to go mm-hmm. win one-on-one on the outside every time. He's a guy you move around the line of scrimmage, do unique things with. That's kind of how he wins battles. He's not a guy who's going to line up on the outside and saying, I'm beating your man, similar to a Metcalf or Adams situation. And those are the kind of guys it seems like can kind of get get to the San Francisco team. So, like, I'm not concerned about it this week. We'll see how it looks against A.J. Brown, potentially, if that's what the matchup is, or Isaiah Hodgins, the best receiver in football. Um, right. You know, and then we'll see who they match up with in the Super Bowl, potentially, if they make it that far, too. So, like, yeah, I do think it's a concern that this is probably your one weakness, but there's not a lot of D.K. Metcalf's Devontae Adams running around. Right. Yeah, I, I think so as well. But, you know, th- those guys do tend to make it far into the playoffs. So that's the the issue. Um, You know, uh, but yeah, good win for the 49ers at the end of the day. Seahawks, uh, an impressive showing by them. You know, a, a lot of people thought they were just going to come in and get crushed. And that kind of happened at the end. Things definitely went off the rails in the fourth quarter. But still an impressive showing, I thought, to, you know, uh, again, they led at halftime. This was a team that had no chance of winning this one and still, uh, you know, we're, we're down one score in the fourth quarter. Yeah. If you said to a Seahawks fan after the Russell Wilson trade, this season you will be winning 17-16 in a playoff game. They're probably right. thrilled, right? Like, they're probably like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Best season mm-hmm. ever. Uh, right. This has definitely defied expectations uh, for year year one post-Russell Wilson. And they had a very good year. This offense should be back, you know, lock up Geno, give him his contract. You got, you know, your offensive line is young and it's going to get better. So this should theoretically be a pretty good team going forward on the offensive side of the ball. Similar to Minnesota, though, they got to plug in that defense. That's similar. The two teams that are very similar, I think, in stature. Now, the record was skewed because Minnesota got some lucky wins. But, like, is there much difference between Seattle and Minnesota heading in the offseason? I think Seattle's closer because Seattle has a lot of young players. That's the kind of the, the difference is Vikings are all old players. The, the Seahawks are mostly young yeah, players. With the- yeah. mm-hmm. So, so Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. So there, there's something to build on here. And, you know, if you look at the guys in the secondary, like outside of Jonathan Abram, who had another dump, like Jonathan Abram making dumb plays is something that I hope never stops in the NFL. Uh-huh. Like, it should just yeah. be a punishment that you get Jonathan Abram for a week. So he has a mm-hmm. dumb penalty for you. It's my favorite thing to watch. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you look that at the other the, <laughs> that, I remember uh, I had a, uh, when we did our, uh, uh, fixing the NFL, uh, like silly ideas that could fix the NFL. I said that the whoever finishes last in football should have to have John Fox be their head coach for the following season. Uh, have Jonathan Abram uh, as the, you know, he has to start for your season, start for a team the next year if you finish worst in football. Yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
what a, what an awful football player. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at these guys like uh, like Woolen had a rough game in this one. I still think he's going to be a good corner in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Diggs is still good. I think you know you go through this list. There's a lot of good players that are I think are getting there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, uh, I, I think so as well. And the 49ers definitely keep keep rolling. Uh, this is a team that no one wants to play. Uh, and they're playing a team that maybe no one wants to play in Dallas. Should be such a fun uh, f- final four games. Uh, you got the Jaguars, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Bengals, Bills, and then Cowboys, 49ers. And how happy must the NFL be getting a Cowboys, 49ers game? Oh, yeah, they're thrilled. Uh, um, that's the Sunday night one that, that people are, you know, that's that they're they're thrilled about that. I mean, between that and the rematch of the Monday night game that was canceled, like mm-hmm. that has to be basically their dream. Okay, and then you got an NFC East matchup as well with the Giants Eagles. And then I, I'm, you know, you got Mahomes. I'm sure that they wish Jacksonville wasn't there. But other than that, I mean, you have, uh, you know, I, I'm excited Jacksonville's there. Yeah, that's still. I mean, it's you know Lawrence against Mahomes. That, that's still there's still storylines aplenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all these games and uh, divisional round. I, I I am a believer in it. the divisional round is the best week of playoff football. I, I think so because what you want in a good playoff game, kind of the issue with the wild card round is that when you get these good games, sometimes there's not that many stakes. Like I feel like, for example, Chargers Jaguars. As great as that game was, it felt like watching this one. This is you're playing the right to lose next week. Now that might not happen. We've seen crazier things happen. I'm not counting Jacksonville out against Kansas City. They played them, uh, you know, earlier on in the season, and it wasn't a disaster by any means, uh, although Kansas City did win. Um, but it kind of feels like, okay, the winner of this game is going to be pretty heavy underdogs next week. But, like, in the NFC, you know, divisional round, you have a situation where you have Cincinnati versus Buffalo, a tight game that could go either way, where whoever wins has a very real chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, that's why I love the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a fun week. Um, championship round's great too. I mean, it playoff football is definitely fun. You know, this it, mm-hmm. it gets intense. Yeah. You know, I don't even have a team to root for in some of these games. You know, I was yelling through some of these games. It was just uh-huh. so bizarre. Like it, it's a good time. Yeah, my heart gets pounding. Like Ravens, Bengals. Like late in that, I'm like my heart's like I'm like I don't care who wins. I like both these teams. Why am I so stressed about this? I see Sam Hubbard off to the races, and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It was it, crazy. It, it, was, playoff football is the best. Yeah, that was. It would have been crazy to be in the building for that one. That was that was electric. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Should be a good divisional round, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to the uh, playoff game this week. I think I made the right call. Were you thinking about it? <laughs> well, my brother was thinking because he was maybe going to still be in town. He was saying maybe I, I would go, and I I was like, oh yeah, maybe. But I was kind of secretly hoping that uh, he would be out of town by the time that it happened because I was like. I wasn't feeling great about uh, this one. Of course, talked myself into it by Wednesday, but uh, but yeah, but yeah. it was was the Monday Monday game made it not possible. Well, that's a fair point. It's okay. Well, you got mm-hmm. um, how how are the Lightning doing this season? What do you got next? They're doing good. Uh, they've been uh, they've been they've been yeah. I guess it's, it gets it's hockey season now. Uh, they've been doing well. <laughs> they've been they've been you know again getting through the playoffs. They're not doing the Bru- they're not as good as the Bruins right now, Kyle. I mean. One team's the best team in hockey, so. Yeah, uh, we were the best team in hockey a couple years ago, too. Yeah. We... Didn't, didn't go so good. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, and they're playing good They're playing good hockey right now. Your guy James Harden's had a few good weeks. There you Maybe go. something. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to get all into Philadelphia 76ers basketball? Of, of course. Yeah. You you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like the 76ers, I could, be a, I could be a 76ers fan. 
You you just really bond with the city of Philadelphia? <laughs> I guess so. I, I don't know. They're fun. Yeah, that's fair. I like interesting so. teams. They're always interesting. Even when they were terrible, they were interesting. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, you got, you got, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is you rooted for a guy named Big Game James and James Shields. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't get more of the opposite with Big Game James for James Harden. Like, yeah. That's Small game, James? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tuesday afternoon 50-point uh, triple-double James Harden. That's what he's yeah. known for. Yeah, that's a, 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 never been anyone better. Yeah. Um, fantastic stuff. But yeah, your offseason is here. We got plenty of football to talk about still, though. Yeah, hey, football, uh, seven games left. I'm cherishing every single one. Yeah, yeah. So we got what? What's Saturday? What's our Saturday slate? Uh, this the Saturday game. That's gonna be that's Jaguars Chiefs and that at, at four thirty, and then Giants Eagles at uh eight fifteen. So those are the two the one seeds. You know the teams that we expect to see win, and then it's the the, the Sunday one. That's the one we're all we're all gonna be interested in. But who knows? Maybe there could be an upset. Who has a better chance of upset? Gun to your head right now. If I told you one of those two teams ends up with an upset, are you saying Jacksonville or you're saying the Giants? Hmm. Kind of interesting, right? Because I feel like the Chiefs are the—I feel like, right now, people probably view the Chiefs as a better team than the Eagles, but probably view the Jaguars as a better team than the Giants. That's kind of where I'm at, like, especially because the Chiefs are just healthier. That helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. I think the Jaguars have a chance, better chance against the Chiefs than the Giants do against the Eagles. Yeah, I I think that feels bizarre to say, too. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it should be interesting. I mean, again, I, I, I'm not counting either. I'm not counting anyone out at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it'd be in. It wouldn't shock me if any of these eight teams win. This I think I'd be pretty surprised, though, if the Giants won. I think that's where I'm at right now. But again, uh, I'll dive into the tape. I'll, I'll look at some of the stuff. The Giants love the Blitz, and the Eagles uh, are having better not against the Blitz than when they've been uh, been against the Blitz this year. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's Hertz health. There's the offensive line health. I mean, yep. there's a lot of things. For, I might change my answer there. Give me, give me the Giants. Giants okay. are win the Super Bowl. What are we talking about? Yeah, Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. We are. We already know this. Uh, well, I guess if the Chiefs are the new Patriots, does that mean they have to lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl? Well, they're not the new Patriots. Or, but Joe Burrow's the new Brady, right? So, so that so he has to lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess that would be the case. There's mm-hmm. still only one Tom Brady. I don't entertain this conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've insulted uh, your quarterback uh, and my former you. quarterback, probably. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> yes, all right. Uh, that's our show. Uh, fun show. We will be back Wednesday, just in two days, uh, where we will be Wednesday at 9. We are going to preview the four divisional round matchups, uh, and then we'll be back. Uh, so we should be back. Uh, we can do this live. If, uh, why not? Uh, for planning out when we are going to podcast on Sunday. Do you want to do Sunday at 11? We can do it earlier because the final game is at 6.30. So should we do like 10.30, 11? Yeah, let's let's push it up an hour. We should be fine. Yeah, okay. We'll do, yeah, we'll do 11. 11 seems like a good time just because, you know, uh, we don't have to wait around for forever and make let, let's just go to bed at a you know earlier yeah. hour. Oh, also, we're doing the early early afternoon one Wednesday, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what time are we doing it uh, Wednesday? Noon Wednesday, 11 p.m. Sunday, right? Yeah. Noon Eastern Wednesday and then 11 Eastern on Sunday. So those are our new times. Sorry if that was confusing. But yeah, Wednesday in two days, it'll be at noon, not at nine. As I said earlier, I'm a liar. Uh, and then uh, the yeah, Sunday at 11. Yep. Perfect. All right.
All right, cool. Uh, Kyle, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Jackson Cougar. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Rondon. And make sure to follow the account page that's at on the sideline JK. That is at on the sideline JK. Yes, of course, if you like audio-only podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, the audio-only feed uh, should be available. It's on the sideline podcast to check that out. Kyle, I have a prediction. I think we're going to predict, uh, do better job in our predictions uh, in the divisional round this year than we did last year. I sure hope so. Didn't we go 0-4? Yeah, I believe we both went 0-4. Uh, and then I, I believe, if I'm more correctly, uh, I went, is, is this correct where I went, like, I think I went two and uh, I went, I only got two right from the divisional round on. I got one of the conference championship games and the Super Bowl right. And you just got the Super Bowl right from that point on. It, it was a brutal uh, stretch for us. That's we for stumbled sure. into the finish line. Yeah. The, 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 you know, I, I did pretty, I went five and one wild card week. I won. All yeah. You had bets. a good wild card week. Uh, disappointing thing was I went against everything I believed in. And uh-huh. saw Tom Brady. I'm like, Tom Brady's not losing in the wild card round. That's right. what I said to myself. Instead of saying the Cowboys are good and the Bucks are bad, which I've been saying all season, I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah, you're down just three points, though. It's it's anyone's game. Uh, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. Yeah, could this be the year? Everyone's wondering, could this be the year Kyle gets over the hump? Is everyone wondering? Everyone <laughs> is wondering. Maybe like two people. <laughs> and it's us we're wondering <laughs> yeah exactly could i finally do this <laughs> all right well find out uh next week or not next week in two days when we uh, pick the four games should be a lot of fun always fun doing the playoff stuff uh again thank you to everybody for watching live here at 115 on the east coast or if you watch or listen after the fact we appreciate all that as well uh and yeah uh i guess that's it again thanks everyone uh and of course as always See you later, alligator. Peace.